0: Well, good morning and welcome to our online service today. We're so excited that you are just tuning in with us today. If you're if you're in right now or if you're catching us at a later time, we're just so excited that today even though we're, we're not in this building together that we still are the church, right? And across homes today we're going to be worshiping through through worship songs, through scripture, through communion, through offering, through prayer and and really through community. Okay? And and We mean that, online community. If you're watching right now, drop a comment. Let us know that you and your family are tuning in online. Um, You need prayer, like, like leave a message. Okay, send a message to the NCC page. We have a pastor standing by who would love to pray with you this morning. It's also just a great time. A little later on, we're going we're gonna to pray over communion communion offering, and, and we just encourage you to lead that in your homes today, in your, in your living rooms, in your bedrooms, in your kitchen, whatever that looks like, that, that that is an act of worship that we value here so that we just take that time a little later on. I'm going to pray over it. Um, just lead that in your family. And maybe this is the perfect time to set up that, that online giving account. You can do that at ncclex.org. Um, you can tithe today through text to give, uh, through mail. And also online as well through ncclex.org slash give. Um, if you have any questions about that, just leave a comment or send a message to the Facebook page. Um, and again, we, we may not all be here today, but we're not alone in this. And so I'm going to pray to start this service and, and we're going to worship. And we just encourage you to just worship like you were here celebrating with, with everyone, knowing that in homes across the world today, the church is gathering together. So, Father God, we just thank you so for what you're doing here, for how you're moving, for Lord, for technology to be able to stay connected, Father. That this is honestly just insane and such a cool way to keep the church together in in times like this, God. So, Lord, we ask a blessing. Lord, over families. We ask a blessing in Jesus' name over this, this world right now in this chaos and in this anxiety. Ridden culture right now, God, that, that your name would just be so strong that the church would just come together in Jesus' name and point exactly where peace and hope and love is right back to you. We worship you in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. E yeah. You are here You're working in this place And I worship you I worship you So you are Waymaker, miracle worker Promise keeper Light in the darkness My God, that is who you are You're the waymaker Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, you are here, you are here, touching every heart, and I worship you, I worship you, you are here healing every heart. I worship you and I worship you all. You are here. You're turning lives around. I worship you and I worship you all. You are here. You're mending Whoa
2: a table that you prepared for me in the presence of my enemy it's your body and your bloody you shed for me this is how I fight my body This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battles Oh this is how I fight my battles This is how I I'm so round but I'm so by to buy you. It may look like, like I'm so routed, but I'm so to so by you. It may look like I'm so routed, but I'm so to by you. It may look like I'm so round but I'm so route to buy you. Don't line up. I will stand tall On each promise You make Let the rest fade away There's a peace For beyond all Understanding Like it ever Set my heart at ease Dear A promise you keep, peace is a promise you keep. You will stay. peace and peace is a promise you keep
0: so this time normally we would be going into communion and offering so we just encourage you just to, to lead that in your house right now to pray over And lead this act of worship just in your homes, wherever you're at. And I'm going to pray over it. So in Jesus' name, I just ask a blessing, Father. Over this anxious world, Father, I just ask peace. I just declare that your kingdom, I just declare your name in Jesus' name. Over all anxiety over all worry, over all doubt, Father. You are still in control. The winds and waves still obey your voice. And here, though we are scattered today, <laughs> would you unite us even more so in the midst of chaos and crisis, the world sees the church on the forefront pointing to you. Father, we thank you, we worship you, it's in Jesus' name. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it.
3: Welcome, Facebook Live. It's good to be with you. And I know this is different, and I appreciate uh, just the opportunity to connect with you in this, in this manner. Uh, we're adapting Uh, trying to adjust to the crisis. And so um, I'm grateful that you're with us this morning. And I hope that you'll hear God speak and that you can encounter him even through the means of technology. Uh, We're gonna be evaluating week by week how we do this. So uh, stay in touch with us. Uh, We'll be deciding whether we meet here together live or we meet again online uh, best way to follow along with us and stay informed is through Facebook or the church website, ncclex.org, and you can get all the information relevant. The key word during this time is flexible, being flexible. So will you stay with us in that, and uh, we're going to do our best to stay connected and to continue to provide the, uh, the direction and leadership in this area as poss- best possible. Our leaders have asked us uh, if we would partner with them today as a national day of prayer. And so before we begin the talk this morning, I want to ask you to just join me in a time of prayer. Would you, would you do that? Father, you are in control and uh, your word tells us time and time again to fear not for you're with us. So God, we pray that you will strengthen our faith. And God, that you would give us courage during this time of crisis. Eliminate all anxiousness and all worry. There's really no time to panic, because you are in control. Lord, we pray for those who are ill with this virus, and we ask for your healing in Jesus' name, be upon them. And Lord, we pray for those who have lost a loved one, a coworker, a neighbor, or a friend, because of this, this virus. God, will you comfort them during this time of grieving? And Lord, we pray for our leaders, our president, our governor, our mayor, for other elected officials, those who have been appointed to positions of leadership to help combat this virus. Will you give them wisdom? Will you give them courage? Lord, we know this is a crisis, and we see the extreme steps that we're taking as a nation and even as a world community to combat it but lord we also recognize that it's an opportunity and i pray god that you will help us to be the church and to see these opportunities to care for people right now to share food or run errands or just serve them and to show them the love of jesus god may we bring you glory during this crisis May we meet the challenges that we face with your power and your grace. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would end this crisis, that you would end this virus, that it would stop, and God, that people would be healed. And we all pray this in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. If you have your Bible and you wanna follow along, I'm gonna be using John the sixth chapter. I was remembering, as I was prepping for this sermon at, about an experiences experiences that I had as a kid growing up around Christmas time. you know, as a kid, when Christmas came, my parents would often take us to see Santa Claus and I know that not everybody did that, and some people still don 't do that and that 's fine, but that was one of our family traditions and in order to meet Santa, I would prepare by thumbing through the toy section of the Sears catalog. Let me you remember that. I remember doing that because I wanted to have my list ready when I saw Santa. I would uh, sit on Santa's lap when the day came and there was a long line, so you only had a really short amount of time. So when you got up there, you had to be quick. You had to know your stuff. So I would say, here's what I want. I want this, I want this, I want this. And you had to get your top three or four gifts in, and then your time was over. And then I could hardly wait for Christmas Day to come to see if Santa came through for me. All of us probably can relate to that. At least I hope you can, maybe as a kid or as a parent, or at least you've heard those stories. You know what's interesting is that that visit to Santa is kind of like the way a lot of us start When we begin praying, when we first start to pray, we pray like this, Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. And now that we have that out of the way, here are the things that I would like for you to do for me. Do you ever pray like that? Here's my list of things that I want. I've got some things that I need taken care of, and I believe You're just the person, God, to do that. And here's the problem with that. The problem is you'll never have an authentic relationship with someone that you're always trying to get something from. And the reason for that is there's always an agenda. I can't do it. It won't work because I have an underlying agenda. As long as you want something from someone, you can never have an authentic relationship with them. It's impossible. But the cool thing is that the Apostle John, Apostle John who followed Jesus, said that God gave us everything we needed because he gave us himself. He showed up. And if that's still not overwhelming enough for you, then I'm glad you tuned in this morning. Because this sermon, this message, is just for you. Because when God showed up on planet Earth because he cared so much for you and for me, when he, when he showed up, that goes from being just a theological idea and it moves from my mind to my heart and it changes everything. It changes my entire perspective on everything when it goes from your head to your heart. You'll be okay when things are not okay, like right now. Things really aren't okay. They're hard. And maybe for some of you, you're stressing out. Well, it's good to know that God is in control. When it goes from your head to your heart, God can actually show up. He gave you something. He gave you himself. And you will know that there is a purpose even in these random seemingly meaningless pains and sorrows and struggles and disappointments that we experience in life. So in part four of this series, Eyewitness, testimony of someone who was there, we're following the apostle John in his journey with Jesus. Early in this series, we talked about something that John had written at the end of his book. It was the agenda that he had for writing this book. And part of his agenda is he didn't want us to be confused. He wants us to know that he didn't follow Jesus because of faith. He followed Jesus because of what he saw and what he heard. He had evidence. He had an experience. In fact, what he saw and heard actually convinced him that Jesus was the Messiah, which eventually led him to put his faith in Jesus because of all of that. He believed based on what he saw and heard, and he wants his readers to have the same experience, to have access to that same evidence that influenced him. Through his narrative, he wants us to learn what he learned so that we would arrive at the same conclusion about Jesus that John came to. John organizes his account. We call it the Gospel of John. He organizes this account around the events that weren't just random acts of kindness. They were actually signs that pointed to something. The signs were evidence, evidence that Jesus was who he claimed to be, that the reason Jesus did miracles wasn't simply to do nice things or kind things to people because he cared about them. He was making a specific point about his identity. John wanted future generations to know What he knew, but not so that we'd simply have information or know what Jesus did. He wants his readers, he wants you and me, to know who Jesus is. Because recognizing who Jesus is changes who a person is. John writes in John, the 20th chapter, verse 31, he says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name you know the question that people were asking in the first century and may very well be the question that you're asking today is what's in it for me what do i get out of it i follow you what do i get out of this that's the tension that we're confronted with in the story that we're going to look at this morning Today we're gonna to look at the fourth sign in this series of signs that John built his entire gospel account around. And this is one of the most well-known stories in all of the Bible. It's the feeding of the 5,000. It's found in John the sixth chapter if you wanna follow along. Let me catch you up. The country of Israel is north and south. And where we left, last left Jesus was down here in Jerusalem. And he and his disciples make a five to six day trip all the way up here to the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. We read this in John the sixth chapter, verse one. This is what it says. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. So Jesus gets to the Sea of Galilee, his guys get in a boat and they go to the farthest northern shore of the sea. And the reason that they go there, it's about 100 miles from Jerusalem. The reason that they make this trip is probably because John the Baptist has just been executed. And they need some time away. Maybe Jesus is grieving. Whatever the case is, he needs a break. He needs some time away. So they go to this remote part of the country. And word gets out that Jesus is is there. And so that's where the story picks up in John 6, verse 2. It says, a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. A great crowd of people followed him because of faith. No, it really wasn't about faith. Nobody in the first century followed Jesus because of faith. They followed him because they saw these signs that he was performing by healing people who were sick. So Jesus and his disciples have gone way out of their way to get some peace, to get some quiet, to get some rest. And yet, here come thousands of people. Many of them have never seen him before. They've never seen him, but they've heard about him. And now he's in their area, and they want to check him out. They've heard he might be the Messiah, or at least a prophet. He's definitely a miracle worker. So they want to see him, do one of his tricks. Or maybe if they're lucky... They'll see him heal one of their friends or family members. Jesus sees the crowd off in the distance. And verse 3 says this. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. Have you ever been at that point in life where you just want to sit down? Uh, I got a sense that maybe some of you have felt that way this week. Your business, you're not sure where that's going with all of this coronavirus. and Well, you just need to sit down. You just need to take a break. And that's where Jesus was. He takes a break with his disciples. And John continues. And John gives us this obscure little piece of information in verse 4. He says this, the Jewish Passover festival was near. Now the Passover is something that is going to be important later in this story. But for the Jews, this observance was celebrating God delivering Israel from Egypt. You may remember, this is when Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And in the first century, Passover was an annual reminder to the nation of Israel that they needed another Moses. They needed somebody who could unite this nation and free them from the Romans. After all, God had promised this land, the land of Israel, to be theirs, Not Rome's. Well, verse five, the very first part of verse five, says, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him. Jesus, here's the picture. He saw this great crowd coming toward him. He's sitting down. We're pretty sure he's tired, maybe emotionally exhausted. And here come thousands of people moving toward him. And you have to think, if he's like you and me, the thought does cross his mind. Really? <laughs> Can a brother just get a few minutes to rest? He's tired. They're in the middle of nowhere and he's wondering, is it ever stop? Jesus knew why they were coming. They're kind of like us. They wanted something. Oh, they didn't have Santa Claus. They had this miracle worker. Here's the key point. They were more enamored with the signs that Jesus was performing than they were with the person to whom the signs were pointing. They wanted another sign. They lost sight of the fact that there's a purpose for all of these signs. These signs point to who Jesus claimed to be. But the crowd wanted something. They didn't want someone. They wanted something. So Jesus turns and surprises one of his disciples. Look what it says. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? (laughs) Philip's like, now, if you grew up in the church, you know this story. Don't rush ahead to the end, okay? Just just pump the brakes a little bit here. Hang with me, because I don't want you to miss something. Nobody up to this point, was talking about feeding this crowd. Jesus hasn't taught them. He hasn't done anything. Nobody's talking about feeding them. There's no part of the conversation has anything to do with food. This is just another crowd that wants to get a piece of Jesus and be healed or hear one of his mind-bending sermons. Jesus and his disciples, they've seen this before. But then Jesus turns to Philip and he says, Where are we going to get food to feed all these people? (laughs) And Philip's got to be thinking, feed them? We heal people. We don't feed people. What are you talking about? In John 6, 6, he says this. He asked this only to test him. Jesus, he's testing Philip. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Verse 7, Philip answered him. It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite, which means where are we going to find enough food to feed these people? Nowhere. Not around here. And you know why he asked Philip? He didn't ask anyone else because Philip was from this region of Israel. So it's like he's saying, hey, you know where all the good restaurants are around here. You know You know, where could we get a caterer that could, you know, feed all of these people? And the answer is nowhere. There's not enough food in this region. If you grew up in church, you've probably seen the flannel graph version of this. Some of you, old school. Some of you probably saw the children's Bible version or maybe even a, a cartoon version of this. If you've seen that, you know what happens next. Andrew finds this kid who has a lunch And we read this in verses 8 and 9. He says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? The barley loaves were bread of the poor. So this kid was probably poor. And the fish were probably pickled fish. Nothing to get too excited about. But the question that Andrew asks is, how far will this lunch go to feed all of these people? If you think about it, it's kind of ridiculous. Hey, kid, come here. Let me have your lunch so we can feed all of these people. It makes no sense. But listen to what Jesus says in verse 10. It says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. John gives us this interesting detail. He says there are 5,000 men there. Now, why did he mention this? And why didn't he say anything about women? Now, Before you get too far you know, out of control, before this escalates beyond what I can, can hold back, it has nothing to do with men or women. 5,000 men was the equivalent of a Roman legion. And that's going to be important. You see, John has given us some insight in what is about to happen. Some people estimate that there were somewhere around 20,000 sitting down on that field that day. And we read this in verse 11. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks. You see what's happening? I don't want you to miss, I don't want you to miss this, but... There's 20,000 people there, 12 disciples, and one boy with a sack lunch. And Jesus says to them, let's pray for lunch. Let's bow our heads and let's give thanks for lunch. And the disciples have gotta be thinking, are you kidding me? Seriously? Do you know how many people are here, sir? It would be like me walking into a packed Rupp Arena with one Chick-fil-A sandwich and saying, hey, everybody, Chick-fil-A for everybody. I've got it right here. Let's pray and give God thanks for the chicken sandwiches that we're all going to get to eat. You think I've lost my mind. Well, Jesus gives thanks and he prays like the food trucks are about to roll out. But it's probably kind of embarrassing for the disciples. Look at verse 11 again. He says, Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And then this happens. Verse 12. When they had had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. John said this, and this was a sign that he records. But the people didn't get it initially. But eventually, I think it dawned on them. See, they're distributing this food, and they realize there's not a wagon or a cart where all this food was hauled in on. It was just these 12 guys and this kid with a lunch, and they're handing out this food. And suddenly, out of nowhere, we're eating bread and fish. And verse 13 says this. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Verse 14. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Surely. After the people realized the miracle Jesus had just performed, they started to recognize that this guy is the Messiah we've anticipated would come. It's him. This has got to be him. And for just a moment, they shift their focus. And they don't do it for long, so don't miss it. But for a moment, their bellies are full. And for just an instant, they take their minds off themselves. And they shift their focus from the sign this miracle, to the person the sign pointed toward, and they recognize this may actually be the one that we've been told would come, the Messiah. And for just a moment, they got it. They got it. Verse 15, John writes, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This is what all that foreshadowing was all about. Suddenly, there are 5,000 men here. That's the equivalent of a single Roman legion. If Moses was able to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, surely this rabbi was able to deliver Israel from the occupation of Rome. Now imagine this, imagine. They start up here at the top of the Sea of Galilee with 5,000 men, one Roman legion, the equivalent. And they start moving. And once they leave Galilee, they've doubled in size. Two legions now. And by the time they get about halfway, there's three legions. They're picking up momentum as they go. And by the time they get to Jerusalem, the gates, there are four, the equivalent of four Roman legions. Imagine the Messiah had come. The whole world, their world, would have been alive. A Messiah was there. And finally, the land would be theirs again. And Jesus knew all this. He knew this. He knew their hearts and he knew their motives. And their motives, their motives had very little to do with who he was. It had everything to do with what he could do for them. So he withdrew to a mountain by himself and he put his disciples on a boat and sent them to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is saying to them, don't you guys get any ideas about this either. You see, the 12, they'd been looking forward to this moment. They'd imagined marching in to Jerusalem and taking the country back themselves. They'd dreamed about it. So Jesus gets them on a boat to get them out of there. And then he dismisses the crowds and he goes to a quiet place to pray. And Jesus would eventually join them on the other side of the lake. And when he does the crowds find him again. But little do they know that what's gonna happen next is he's gonna thin this crowd out. Here's what I mean by that. He may be speaking to some of us this morning as well. Because if all you want from him is something for yourself, you're missing the point. And he may be thinning out our crowd. Have you ever had that thought, I gave up on faith. I gave up on church because I wasn't getting anything out of it. I used to go, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. I used to serve. I used to give. I used to sit on the front row, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. The point that Jesus is about to make is that as long as it's about getting something out of it, you're missing the point. Look what verse 25 says. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, When did you get here? Somebody in the crowd asked the question. Maybe that was the designated spokesperson, but they said, when did you get here? Which is not the question. It's not the real question. The real question is what Jesus answers in verse 26. It says, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Let's be honest, they were there for the food. They missed the point of the sign. They thought the miracle was the point. He says in verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God has placed his seal of approval. Jesus is saying, come on, Do you realize what I'm offering you? Do not not miss what the sign is pointing to. He says, for on him, that's me, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. That's what Jesus is saying to them. God himself has placed his seal of approval on me. He's authorized me to do his work. You're part of a revolution. You're part of something much bigger than just retaking this land from Rome. And yet all you're focused on is lunch. Verse 30. So they ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe? What will you do? They still don't get it. They're saying, basically, we're starting to believe, kind of. But if we saw one more sign, then we would totally believe. If we just saw one more, you would convince us. So what are you going to do? You know, some of us are like that, aren't we? We believe that if God would just do something miraculous, then I'd follow him. The crowd took tremendous liberty in asking Jesus, this famous, remarkable rabbi, they took incredible liberty to ask him to perform a miracle. If you do that, we'll believe, we'll believe. Not long ago, a couple years ago, I went as the guest of uh, a man in our church to the John Calipari radio show. It was a great time. It, they had an incredible, incredible buffet. I had no idea that dinner came with it. It was a nice surprise. And there were lots of UK celebrities. Rex Chapman was there, Tom Leach, the voice of the Wildcats. And of course, Coach Cal was there. And during the break in the radio show, Coach Cal got an appetizer from the OBC Kitchen. And it was called Bacon in a Glass. Now, they had me at Bacon. But I noticed that Coach was eating this bacon, and he was talking about it to the crowd. It was bacon, and it was drizzled with this bourbon honey sugar glaze, and it had peanut, peanut butter to dip it in. <laughs> now, you, can you make bacon better? Maybe you can with all of that. And so Coach was talking about how great this was, And so he said, hey, I'm not going to eat all of it. Would anyone like to try this bacon? It is so amazing. And, you know, I was all in. I would love to share bacon with Coach Calipari. So I volunteered and I walked up and actually there's a picture of me right there eating bacon with Coach Cal and I'm dipping it in the peanut butter. And as I'm standing there eating this bacon, we're having this small talk and I'm thinking, what do I want to talk to the coach about, right? Right? I mean, what do you say to a person? You've got this short amount of time. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. So I'm thinking, should I talk to him about Jesus? And I'm, I'm kind of nervous, all fanboy right at this moment, you know, because this is, this is a coach of the Kentucky basketball team. So I start thinking about these things, and I'm thinking, uh, well, could we do lunch sometime? Maybe I should say that. Or why don't you use the zone defense more often? Or do you, do you uh, need a chaplain who sit on the end of your bench? Or, you know, would you like to help our church with its debt? I mean, we could retire it, you know? I was thinking about all those things. And, and you know I'm joking. I'm joking when I say this. I would never ask him anything like that. You wouldn't ask anybody like that. It would just be weird, right? All he did was invite me to try the bacon. He didn't give me all of this latitude. It wasn't my place for this unauthorized liberty to ask him for something. Actually, I did ask him a question. I asked him if I could have my picture taken with him. And you could tell that is my goofy, I'm I'm totally blown away smile right there. I was so excited Do you know what you ask an important person, somebody who's famous or extremely successful? You ask questions. You don't ask them for anything. When you're with someone of significance, it's your opportunity to learn from them in a way that you probably never will have that opportunity ever again. Well, the crowd missed that with Jesus. The crowd wanted another miracle, but Jesus wasn't playing this game. And if you read the rest of John 6, John tells us that many decided to unfollow him that day. Once they realized the magic show was over, they lost interest. And maybe, just maybe, they had an excuse that you and I don't have. You see, they didn't know about the resurrection from the dead yet. But you and I don't have that excuse Because we're on this side of the resurrection where this man who claimed to be the son of God actually rose from the dead. The question Jesus wanted them to focus on, and I think he would probably ask us the same question today, is who do you believe that I am? For some, he was the magic rabbi and they lost interest when the show was canceled. But a few of them recognized that he was God in disguise. And they started acting the way you do when you realize that God is there in disguise. They quit asking for things and they surrendered and followed. And in the end, he gave them more than they ever could have imagined. He gave them himself. Don't miss the Savior. Don't miss the Savior. It's impossible to have an authentic relationship with someone from whom you're always trying to get something. So stop negotiating and say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. Let's follow him in light of the crucifixion, in light of the resurrection. We have every reason to follow him. We have no excuse not to. Think about it. God has already given you what is most important He's given you himself. So join his team. Let's get on God's team. Let's not be consumers. Let's be followers. Let's be contributors. Let's leave a mark. Jesus' followers changed the world once before. So perhaps this generation of followers will change the world again. I know this world is kind of out of control right now. I know things are kind of crazy in our world. I want to encourage you. Be wise. Use good judgment. And remember, God is in control. Look at who the signs are pointing to. Continue to pray. I think there's great power when people pray. Pray for God to bring an end to this virus. Stay connected to us through the Northeast Facebook page, or our website, ncclex.org, in order to stay informed. We will see you next week, either here online or here in person. God bless you.